My brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ our Lord, this Sunday we commemorate the fathers of the six ecumenical councils. These councils dealt with a number of things, they, not only with heresies, and they also dealt with juridic issues. It was at the fourth council that they determined or they made the statement that Constantinople would be uh, the new Rome second only to old Rome in honor and dignity. It was also in these councils that they would say, for example, that a bishop couldn't sell the ordination to presbyterate to somebody. It wasn't up for sale. But the big part of these councils had to do with who Jesus was. Because if we don't understand clearly who Jesus is, not just who was, who He is, then we can't apply it to our lives. Of the heresies that were, 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 were going about in those days, only one denied Jesus' divinity. Only one heresy. That was the Arian heresy. Jesus is not divine. All the rest had to do but with denying Jesus His humanity. For example, there was a heresy that said Jesus only had one will, and that will was a divine will. And the council said, no. Jesus has two wills, human and divine. Another heresy said, well, Jesus only had one nature, and it was a divine nature. The council fathers would say, no, he has two natures, divine and human. And all these things gave us an understanding of who Jesus is, and the fathers created this fence around our understanding to keep us from going astray. That as long as we stay in this fence of understanding, we can excel and explore and grow into the life of God. St. Paul understood this clearly. He came to understand who Jesus was and applied it to his life to such a degree that he could truthfully say, it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. He became transfigured in his life by holding fast to who Jesus was and what he came to do and restore and bring about for us. In our first epistle this morning, we heard St. Paul. He was writing to the letter to the Romans. He was in Corinth, and it was coming to the end of his, his third missionary journey, and he was writing to the, to the church that he knew was heard of in Rome. He had not been in Rome yet. And he would like to start a mission up in Spain. And so he was making inroads of communication. And so he was penning this letter to them. And his letter to the Romans was a pretty developed, one of the most developed, probably the most developed, the uh, scholars will say, of all his letters theologically. He spent a lot of years enduring much suffering and much reflection and much prayer coming to understand who Jesus was, and he was applying that understanding to his life so he could endure scourging, stoning, being bitten, uh, whipped with sticks, and all these things. And when he was going around in his missions, he would go to where people were in the city those who worked with their hands, those who were intellectuals, those who worked at sea, 
He went and they lived among the people. And when he went there, he did not tell them, quick, flee. He didn't tell anyone to flee. He stayed there with them and taught. He was showing that it's where you are is where you're going to work out your salvation. Where you are is where you're going to transform yourselves into Christ. Because that's where God has placed you. So we go through the letter of the Romans and we get to the point that we heard today. And we, last week we heard about Paul in, in Romans talking about justification and righteousness. And finally he gets to the point and he says, look, here's some basic timeless principle to help you live this life where you are in the city. Whether you're in Corinth or Ephesus or in Rome, it doesn't matter. These principles will keep you on the right path. He will write it because he's speaking from his own experience. Four verses sum up how we can live our life in a manner that will transform us into Christ. And so he writes to the Romans, let your love be genuine without hypocrisy. You want to know how to love? Look at Christ. Look at Him crucified on the cross. Read about Him in the Gospels. How did He show love? He gave Himself completely. He taught us that if you, someone asks you to go one mile, go a second mile with Him. If someone asks for your coat, give them your cloak as well. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn and give them the other. Love your enemy. If they're hungry, give them something to eat. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. That's how you show love. Don't look in here to show yourself love. Show that love by loving those around you selflessly. Don't be one way in the synagogue and then when you get out into the market, be another. Then he would go on to write, Abhor evil and cling to what is good. Abhor evil and cling to what is good. What is good, what is beautiful, what is true. There you will find God. Cling to that, he says. He says, show brotherly love by showing affection to each other. Love each other through brotherly affection. He will go on and build upon that. He says, in fact, outdo one another in showing honor, in showing respect. That's how you show love. He will go on to say, don't be slack in your diligence and zeal, but serve the Lord. Whenever you do anything in the Lord's name, do it with zeal, with diligence whether you're changing diapers or in your place of employment or wherever you find yourself, do it in the name of the Lord. He will go on to say from there, rejoice in hope. Rejoice in the hope because the fact is our life is not for this world. This is a preparation for the world that is to come. Our hope is in the risen Lord. Our hope is in life in the heavenly kingdom. This is merely a preparation for that life. 
So no matter how difficult things are, have the hope that there's something better awaiting for you. He would go on to say, show patience in tribulations. Endure it. It's going to happen. Look at me. Look at how many lashes I've had. Look at how many times I've been stoned. Look at how many times I've been shipwrecked and slapped. But be patient. These are all opportunities to help you grow. Remember what Christ told me, he would say, my grace is sufficient for you. And he would sum it up by saying, be constant in prayer. Because it is in prayer, our breath with God, that we are able to have communion with him in such a way that we can live the life we're called to, that we can be formed more and more into his image and likeness. Be constant in prayer. Don't cut yourself slack. Pray always, he would say. This is what he wrote to the Romans those hundreds of years ago in that great city. And those letters would be traveling around the, the known world at that time to the different churches, the different cities, and they would be read and the same advice would be given to them. Finally, those letters had made it to us today. Here in this city of, Mount, of Burlington or Mount Vernon or Everett or wherever you may be, you know who Jesus is. So make sure you are applying that knowledge to your life so that it transforms you. So he says to you tonight, love without hypocrisy. Let it be genuine. He says, abhor evil, cling to what is good. Show love through brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. It is these things that will be, bring about a transformation in us where we live today, in our own little world, wherever that may be. But in clinging to these simple verses that he gave us, these timeless, this timeless advice, we, if we are diligent about it, will one day be able to say, as so as did Paul, it is no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me.